0: Oh man. Well thank you. I uh, you know, I love working with the young people. I love working with the kids and and uh, that's that's where my heart's at, you know. I you just I, I enjoy it. I enjoy teaching them and matter of fact I am more comfortable up there teaching them than I, I was I was fine. I was doing good. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna be nervous tonight, I'm not gonna be at all nervous, you know. I'm fine, you know, I kinda stayed up there this afternoon, kinda just just a few things. Get ready for it tonight. The activity. And I walked in that door a few minutes ago. Like, oh man! And it just comes all over you. And I thought I, I talked to a preacher. I said something to him a few weeks ago about uh, I just I just afraid I'm going to mess up. Afraid I'm going to mess up. It's just my pride. That's all it is. It's my pride. My stinking pride. Afraid I mess. So I just don't care if I mess up tonight. I just don't care if I mess up. I mess up. It happens. You know. Uh, just I just I don't care. And uh, I'm mean, not. I, I do care a little bit. But uh, uh, we all do. But uh, uh, if you take your Bible and open them up and turn to Acts chapter 26, please, Acts chapter 26, and uh, a few weeks ago, I think Brother Nate preached uh, about a little over a month ago, and and uh, he was in this same passage, and and as he was uh, as he was preaching that night, I'm like, uh-oh, I better be prepared. Uh, preacher just might ask me here in a couple weeks, and I better start thinking, okay, what, what, what should I preach? And so I'm praying, Lord, you show me, show me what to preach, and it came to a couple verses there, I'm like... That's it. That's it. So this has been on my heart for a month and a half, and uh, and I've been ready. I, I I feel like I've been ready for this. All is, you know, you get in the van and you're driving on the way to church, like the next night or the next Wednesday night or school or whatever, and you're on your way and you're preaching. I don't know. I'm preaching the message. I'm preaching, you know, and I'm using the verse. And man, I'm getting with it. I'm like, man, this is exciting. I'm having a good time. And then you got a point, and you got another point, and you got another point, and you get to church and you're like, what were those points, man? I should have wrote them down, and uh, so you only get half the points because I forgot the first three. So you only get the second, uh, the second three that I wrote down. So you only have three tonight. So that is that is that is good. And and Pete is going to be here at six o'clock. So we have to, you know, we got to preach fast. And plus, you know, you know, Brother John. <laughs> but anyway, um, we'll start in verse uh, chapter twenty-six and verse one. And uh, I, I'm I've had a hard time uh, reading this this passage without with just standing still. So if you can picture Paul standing there. In this, in, this, in this passage here, as he stands there, it says, then, then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently, my manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straitest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceeding mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I say in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun shining round about me, and then which journeyed with me, and when we were all fallen to the earth. I heard a voice speak unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have pre- a- appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things, which thou hast seen, and of those things into which I will appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. And they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. But showed first unto them of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple, and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continued unto this day, witnessing both to small and to great, saying, None other things than those which the prophets and Moses that did say should come that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things before uh, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. And and when he had thus spoken... The king rose up and the governor and Bernice and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, this man doth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know my heart. Dear God, I pray that you would just let it show tonight. Dear God. Lord, you know what I want for the young people. Dear Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd help me. Lord, just fill me tonight, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that I would speak your words, Lord, that you'd have me to say, Lord, not just the things that I want to say, Lord. Just use me tonight. Lord, I thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, look at verse 28. Verse 28, the Bible says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The title of the message tonight is Almost. And as Brother Nate was preaching the other day, and I said, Lord, what would you have me to preach? And I'm sitting over there, I'm thinking, Almost. Almost, man, I am I, I, almost. I'm thinking of King Agrippa here, he said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. When I get when I begin to think about the almost part, I couldn't help but think of the young people that have sat in this room. I couldn't help but think of the young people that have gone through the teen church here and at other churches and have sat there and they almost were persuaded to serve God. They were almost persuaded to, to be saved, some of them. I wonder how many are not saved. You know, they, get, they go through the, the, the youth department and they get to be 18 and they, they end up living a life totally contrary to what the Bible has to say. And I think those are the almost young people. And can I tell you, as a youth pastor, I'm tired of the almost young people. I'm tired of the young people that almost serve God. I'm tired of the young people. And you think, you're tired of them. No, I don't take it that way. I'm not tired of them. I love them. I want the best for them. I want them to serve God. But I'm tired of young people that are almost there. Man, they're almost, I almost serve God. And some may be sitting in this room tonight. And maybe they're almost saved. Maybe they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you're almost there. Almost. Almost, they've almost given their life to Christ. They've almost surrendered their life to full-time Christian service. They've almost said yes to the Lord Jesus Christ when he's called upon them. They've almost got saved. They've almost said yes to Christ Jesus. Almost said, here is my life, Lord. You can have it. Lord, you can take it. You can use it, Lord. Here it is, Lord. Whatever you want with my life, Lord, you can have it. The almost young person. I'm tired of them. I don't want the almost young person. I want a young person. I'm not saying ministry is for everybody. That's not what I'm saying. But I believe this. You'll hear me say it time and time again. That I believe every person is created to do something for God. I believe that with all my heart. I tell that to the young people up there. To encourage them. To get them going. To realize that God created you something special. God created you something that he wants to take and use for his honor. And for his glory. Whatever it might be. It might be a doctor. A doctor. It might be a lawyer, a a plumber. It might be a youth pastor. It might be. But listen, I believe God created each young person in this room. And that's listening to the sound of my voice in this world, I believe he created them for something very, very special. And I'm tired of the almost. Well, I almost served God. I almost did what he wanted me to do. I almost did what he wanted me to do. And I'm thinking, no, how do we get past that? How do we get past the almost young people? I think of. My life and several years back and and uh, <laughs> this is, shows my age but 1994 as uh, around Christmas time 95 the first of the year there and and uh, I'd gone to Bible college for a few years and and I, I, I was kind of living my life the way that I wanted to and, and doing the things that I wanted to and and I remember uh, being a I believe it was a Tuesday night and we came home from alumni basketball game and I'm sitting there at the table and I just broke down. I just broke down, and, and I said, oh, man, i got to leave. And I walked out into our barnyard and walked into our pasture, and I started walking around the pasture and walking around and walking around. And I said, Lord, what do you want with my life? See, just a few months before that, I had some things in my life that I needed to get rid of, and I got rid of them. I put them aside, and I said, okay, that's a start. I get that, get rid of that. And, and I started walking, and I said, Lord, what do you want? What do you want with my life, Lord? What do you want? And it's like he spoke to me and said, I want you to go back to college. And I had told people, I'm never going to go back to Bible college. No way, Jose. I go back to that Bible college. No way. I got a bunch of rules. Huh. Imagine that. And when you get rebellious, you don't like those rules. You don't like rules. And when we get rebellious like that, listen, we don't like those things. But I said, I said Lord, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lord, I will do it. And that's all I want is some young people that are going to say, Lord, whatever you want for me, I will do it. If it's to be the uh, the electrician in here, man, and then Hattiesburg, then you'd be the greatest electrician that you can be. If it's to be a doctor, you'd be the greatest doctor, but make sure it's what God would have you to do. Because I honestly believe with all my heart that God created you something special. God created you, and he has a great plan for you. Oh, man, that gets you excited. I don't know if it gets me excited. But imagine, as a young person, that ought to get you going. And as a parent, you look at your kids and say, man, God created them. Something special. And he has something great for them. Wouldn't you want them to find that? Not mom and dad's plan. But God's plan. God's plan. We have a number of young people that have sat in these pews and chairs. Gone to camps. Gone to youth conferences. They've almost given their life to Christ. They've almost said, Lord, here's my life. Well, they've sat here. When they've graduated from high school, they go by the wayside. They live their life totally different. Almost surrendered to serve the Lord. Ultimately, yes, the young person has to make the choice. I don't think that Christ will make anybody serve him. We get to choose. I believe ultimately... When they do turn 18, 19 years old, they have a choice to make. They have a choice to stay faithful to Christ, to stay stay faithful to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, stay faithful to church, just keep doing exactly what God would have them to do, or they can live a life that they want to live. They make the choice. But I do believe that as the young people are growing, that we'll need to help them with a few things, spiritually and Physically. Number one I have is consistency. Consistency. The word consistency means the achievement of a level of performance that does not vary greatly in quality over time. Consistent. Consistent. Consistency in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Take your Bible, turn to Psalms chapter 68. Psalms chapter 68. verse 19 the bible says blessed be the lord who daily daily loadeth up with benefits even the god of our salvation blessed be the lord who daily daily loadeth up with benefits even the god of our salvation we see in luke chapter 11 and verse 3 luke 11 verse, give us day by day our daily bread A consistency in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, we need some young people. And I try to teach them up there that it's you. You have to get alone. You have to have a time that you get alone with God. You have to have a time that you get alone. You have your Bible reading. You need a time where it's a relationship with you and God. I might fail them. I don't wish to fail them. I don't want to fail them. As a parent, I fail my boys. Don't want to. But I'm sure I've done that. I've had to apologize to them time and time. But we need to have a relationship because Jesus Christ will never fail us. We have those glow-in-the-dark books that we give out every two months. And it's amazing. It's amazing to me that we only usually ask, have about five teenagers that ask for glow-in-the-dark books. Listen. Now, maybe they have, I can benefit of the doubt, they have their own devotion time. They have something else that they're working on. That's great. I hope so. I hope so. But listen, we need to have some young people that are in the word of God, a daily Bible read time that they spend with Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe it's hard for you to say, listen, make sure you read your Bible. Make sure you pray. If parents we're not doing it, if we're not doing it. And if we're not, if we're not reading our Bible and praying, how can we make them? How can we encourage them to read their Bible, to have that relationship with Christ? Listen, we need to be the example, parents. We need to be the example. When my boys were this tall, you know, they, uh, somebody g- gave us a uh, uh, top fifth and sixth grade. And uh, the class bought me the first Xbox and uh, with the game system and everything with it and and uh, we had a time with that, but the boys wanted to play and we got some games that they could play and they would want to play and I said, No, listen, did you read your Bible today? You can't read you can't, can't you can't read until you play. No, you can't uh, you can't. I messed up. Oh man. No, it's good. Uh, you can't you can't play it until you read your Bible. And then it came time where where did you read your Bible today? Yes, sir. Okay, go ahead. Or, and then it became a habit. It became a habit. And some of you have seen this. Some of you have seen this. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it awesome? When you're looking for your young people and you walk in their room and the Bible is open up and they're on their bed and they're reading the Bible or they heard you coming and they put the other book away and they threw the Bible there? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Hey, listen. Listen. A a Bible reading. Next, they need prayer time. Renew your love every day. We see that in Psalm 61 in verse 8 turn there psalm 61 and verse 8 the bible says the bible says in verse 8 so will i sing praise unto thy name forever that i may daily perform my vows psalms 88 verse 9 psalms 88 verse 9 the bible says mine eye mourneth uh I think that's right 88 verse 9 uh my uh thou has put away my uh, coin is far from me thou has made me an abomination unto them i was i don't think that's right i'm sorry um mm-hmm. We'll skip that one. Prayer time. Prayer. Listen, they got to have a prayer time. A young person has got to have a prayer list. And, and, and yes, they might be able to remember a lot of names, a lot of people. But if they had a prayer time where they, sent, they, they sat there and they had that list, they got their, their devotion book there or uh, their devotion, whatever they're doing, they're reading, and right next to it they have their, their prayer list and they pray for, imagine if they prayed for their brothers and sisters. Imagine that. Imagine how much they they would probably fall in love with them. Instead of fighting with them, they might love them because they're praying for them every day. And they're praying for mom and praying for dad and praying for grandpa and praying for grandma and praying for the staff and praying for and that prayer time. Consistency. And again, mom and dad, I ask you, do you have your prayer time? Do they see? I know I've asked this before and, and uh, I'll ask it again, but if I ask your... Son or daughter, where does your mom and dad have their devotions? What would they tell me? If next Wednesday we had a little testimony time, we're going to find out where do your parents have their devotions at, and we just went around the room, what would they tell me? Would they say, I've never seen my mom and dad have devotions. I've never seen them even open the Bible. Consistency in Bible reading, prayer time, consistent to stand by one another consistent number three consistent to stand by one another this is three points of the first point so don't don't get too excited now don't get too excited we still got we still have you know 21 minutes still pizzas here so we're good we're good consistent to stand by one another help one another pray for one another support one another to know that mom and dad is for them to know that mom and dad is for them boy to, to get the heart Of a young person is valuable, more valuable than you'll ever know if you'll get their heart. And I believe we get that by having the relationship with Jesus Christ, that consistency, that consistency of being faithful to church, faithful to church. So that's number one. Be consistent. Be consistent. Number two, consequences. You say consequences. Yes. Look at Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter 3, please. Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 6. The Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took it the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, <coughs> and he did eat. And he said, Who told thee that I was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said to the woman, Who thou gavest to be with me? And he said, And she gave me to thee, and did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is it thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and did eat. And there was consequences because of their actions. And all throughout the Bible, you will see consequences for the actions. Consequences for the actions. We all know that Every sin has consequences. You have shame. You have separation from God. You blame someone else. You have the guilt. Consequences. So because sin has consequences and sin has punishment, don't you think as a parent that we should have consequences for our young people? Shouldn't there be consequences for their actions as well? I believe we live in a society nowadays that there's no consequences for their actions. There's no consequences for the things they do wrong. There's no consequences for lying, for cheating, for stealing. There's no consequences at all. You see the riots. You see the things that are going on. uh, And there's no consequences. And I believe it's a bunch of young people that grew up with no consequences. And so they break windows and they burn buildings and they burn cars. They smash police cars. There was never any consequences. I'm not saying we should beat our young people. But teenagers want to have boundaries. Teenagers need boundaries. Young people need and they want boundaries. We all like boundaries, believe it or not. When I go hunting on a certain piece of land, man, I like to know that this is the boundary line. Okay, you know, where, where can I hunt? I can hunt, okay, this line, this line, this tree line, this tree line. Stay in this area. Okay, that's fine. I will stay right here. Here's the tree line. I'll stay right here on this side. And you know all the big deer are on the other side. You know it. It's always the case. The elk or whatever It's always on the other side. The one I need, the one I don't know I need it, but the one I want is on the other side. But boundaries, boundaries. Even with our, my job, I want to know that there are boundaries and there what's expected of me. Your young people, your young person, they want boundaries, and there should be consequences for the actions. There should be consequences. Um, the uh, the other job I had uh, um, my boys, uh, all, all three of them were taking piano at the time and and uh, they had, we had a back building and in that back building, uh, you know, trying to find time where they could practice at the same time or, or get the practice in and we had choir practice early, I think uh, like 4.30 or something like that, 4.30 to 5.15, it was a good 45 minutes and then, uh, so I, I took them back there and, and put them in the back building because every room had a had a piano in it and and I said, all right, you guys practice your piano for 45 minutes. I'll come get you. And uh, when, when, when we're done with choir practice, I'll come get you. So one day I just had this feeling, you know, let's go check on them, make sure everything's doing what they're supposed to be doing, you know. You just have that, that, that feeling as a parent, right? So you walk back there and you kind of just look in the door. There's a long hallway and, and on, there's classrooms. All of a sudden you see one boy. Phew! am like, oh, yeah. Just standing there another boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, so you open the door and uh, they looked. so we took care of business because there was consequences and then uh, what's really funny uh, is that a few a month later or whatever I you know you tell me you do not leave until I come get you and uh, so uh, you know I, we're choir practice is over and we're in church we're up in choir and singing my wife says where are the boys where are the boys. Like, oh, I think they're still in the back building playing practice of piano, uh, practice of piano. Well, listen, they learned. They learned because there was consequences because they did not obey the first time and the punishment and they did not obey. There was consequences for that. Listen, a young person will learn. And I'm not saying that we beat the whammy out of them, but there ought to be consequences for lying. There should be consequences for being disobedient. There should be consequences for talking back and uh, uh, for not doing good in school, for being lazy. Listen, we are teaching them. There are many young people, kids that live a life at home with no consequences. And it's amazing. It's amazing. We get them up there in junior church and they come in there and you can tell the ones that don't have consequences (laughs) Want me to give them the names? No, no. Uh, uh, But once they realize that if they talk in junior church, that I'm going to move them from there. Are you going to talk? Okay, come up here. You just sit right here in front. Oh, man, I can see Brother John's nose hairs. (laughs) Good grief. There's consequences. So they decide, hey, I'm going to sit right. I'm going to do right. There's consequences. I believe a young person wants to know the boundaries. Number three, containment. Containment. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Second Corinthians chapter 2. And look at verse 11. While well, you turn and I'll take a drink. Let Satan... Should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his what? Devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. We also see in 1 Peter verse 5. Verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion. Walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Containment. The word containment is the action of keeping something harmful under control or within limits. Do we not realize that Satan is after our young people? Do we not realize that Satan wants to get our young people? Are you ignorant of his devices? Do we realize that Satan wants your young people you young person to do anything except what God would have them to do. Satan says, oh, you want to do this over here? Okay, that's fine. Go do it. Go do it. As long as it is not what God would have them to do. Hey, oh yeah, you want to go do this? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. As long as it's not what God created you for. Do it. Have it your way. Just do it as long as it's not God's way. Do we realize that Satan wants to get our young people. We are trying to keep so hard. We're trying to keep the coronavirus out of here. We're trying to keep that away from the church and away from families. And we're doing everything we can to keep that virus away from us. Imagine if we did work that hard to keep sin away from our young people. Imagine if we worked that hard to keep sin away from our young people. We give them things that are harmful. Containment meant meant the action of keeping something harmful, under control, or within what? Limits? But we give them phones at 12 years old, at 11 years old, at 13 years old. I believe what's destroying America and the young people of America is the phones, the internet, the tablets, you name it. They have access to that. You say, well, my son, no, listen, listen. the next thing it says here, mom, dad, it's okay to say no. It's okay to say no, mom and dad. And, and, and if, we, if we realize, we realize that when they're from birth to 18, we're supposed to parent them. I think the problem is we want to be their friends of friends during that time, when it's time to parent them, and we parent them during that time, and then someday they will be best friends. And other people, parents, are trying to be their friends, be their friends, be their friends, be their friends. They become 18, and then they butt heads, because the are trying to straighten them up, trying to get them right, trying to get them corrected, and it's, then it become enemies. Then no, we got to parent them. That's what you're there for. It's we're supposed to say no, and sometimes. Sometimes I have to explain to my boys why I say no. Sometimes I have to look at them and put them aside and say, listen, son, you just have to trust me on this. But you just got to trust me. Listen, we've seen it. We've been working with young people since 1997. We've seen young people like that. And what they do and the way they end up, son, I'm telling you, just trust us on this. I know it's not easy. It's not the best thing and the nicest thing to do to say no all the time. And I don't like to say no. Uh, but, but sometimes, listen, I believe that I will stand before the Lord and give account for my boys. Not any other parent in here. Not Brother Jeremiah. I will. And so sometimes if a parent, if a parent doesn't like the fact that what I have done with my boys... I don't care I don't care because this I believe I will stand before the Lord God Almighty and give account for the way I raise my boys let's get away from the almost young people let's get away from that let's get some young people that will serve the Lord and do exactly what he would have them to do Man, we got to do that with consistency Consistency with our walk with God, consistently having a relationship with Christ. There should be consequences for when things are wrong. And containment. Now listen, it's okay to say no, parent. It's okay to keep them, keep them sheltered. People are worried about keeping them sheltered too much. I, I don't know. I, I believe there should be a balance. I believe there should be a balance in that. Maybe we'll have a few scars. But I hope in the end, they won't have many. I hope they won't have many. And I hope they'll have that relationship with Christ. And when they get to be 18, 19 years old, they'll have that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll be faithful to the Lord and faithful to Him. And I want want their testimony to be, man, I'm clean, I'm pure in mind and in body as they go on to the next phase of their life. After I have them with junior church, and we get them with the, the, the teenagers in the youth department, and, man, I want the best for them, and, and try to, uh, to, to protect them the best that I can as a youth pastor. Many times I have said, on um, that guy on the side of the road, that with the bridge out, you've heard the illustration time and time again. I'm staying on the side of the road, I'm waving the flag saying, don't go this way, don't go that way. And many times they look at us and say, you just don't like us. You don't want us to have fun. No, because I've seen kids and young people that have gone that way and they've gone off the bridge and now their life is miserable. And I don't want that for your young people. I don't want that for them. I want them to have a testimony of being clean and pure. I heard a song a few months ago. And I wish I could say it's my testimony. My boys wanted to sing it in church. And I said, I, 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 can't, I don't feel like I write singing it. And I want you to listen to it because this is what I want for your young people. I want them to be able to sing this song that
1: you're about to hear. Go ahead and play that song. As a child, I heard the stories of lives once bound by sin. How Jesus came, set them free, and gave new life to them. Though my story was much different and could never quite compare. I do admit the Savior, so I wanted to share. Here's my testimony. church. Here's my testimony. I've missed a lot of hurt. Stories about sin and shame forgiven, but the scars remain. No, that's not me. Thank you. my testimony I've grown a little older now I've got children of my own and I pray that I pass down to them a godly Christian home they too must trust the Savior and have a story of their they always live for Jesus. Join me in singing this song. Here's my testimony. I grew up in the church. Here's my testimony. I've missed a lot of hurt. Stories about scars remain, no, that's not me, thankfully, as a child, Jesus saved me, that's my testimony. I don't yet have a family, no children of my own. And many walk away from God in all they know. Well, friend, I stand determined that in the church I'll stand I wanna live for Jesus. One day here my children say here's my testimony among me. Church, here's my testimony. I've missed a lot of hurt, stories about sin and shame forgiven, but the scars remain. No, that's not me. Thankfully, as a child, Jesus saved me. That's my testimony. As a child, Jesus saved me. That's my testimony. That's what we want for the young
0: people. They can say, that's my testimony. And some of us, we have scars. And I thank the Lord for 1 John 1.9. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I praise the Lord. He's been so merciful to me. Now listen. But right now, let's take our young people and let's protect them. Let's be consistent in our walk with God. Let's have a time that you get alone with God and we have a relationship with him. Let's have some young people that will say, Lord, here's my life. Lord, you can take it. Lord, you can take it. You can have it. You can use it however you see fit. And let's not have some almost young
2: people, Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed just for a few minutes. I want to ask our young people tonight, I want to ask our moms and dads tonight, a simple question the Holy Spirit posed to me during the message tonight. I wonder what you will almost do. I wonder what you will almost do. I wonder what you will almost accomplish for God. That tonight, it could go from an almost to an absolute if you just be willing to submit your will and way to what God desires to do in your life or your children's life if we just gave them back to God. And we're the parents and set that testimony ourselves before them that they need to see. And so, with our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, I'm going to pray and I'm going to open up the altar for an opportunity to come down. And just ask God for help in this area, that we might turn out young people here at our church that aren't almost young people, but absolute young people that get the job done for the cause of Christ. Father, I do thank you tonight, Lord, for the wonderful message, and Lord, what a poignant thought. And I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, your Holy Spirit has had its will and way in our lives, and Lord, we have not shunned you, but we're accepting, Lord, whatever conviction or direction you've brought our way. And I pray that now, during the invitation time, we'll respond Lord, I pray for our children tonight that we wouldn't have almost young people, but we'll have young people that will go on to fulfill exactly what you put them here to do. Bless each mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, whoever it may be, Lord, that has been given the influence over our kids to give them that direction, or specifically through their testimony. And I pray you'd help us as a church to support them as they go out, Lord, into the world the world one day, Lord, to represent you. Bless this invitation we ask for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.